Shall we read a poem from A Light in the Attic? Hello, Paul, and welcome to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. And I'm Lauren. <laughs> That's going to be the new thing, isn't it? Well, you're, you say the word poem so melodiously. Throw some vibrato in there. You're looking very sharp today, Russ. Thanks. I just came from work. You're wearing a vest and a tie and a colored shirt. Well, so the thing is, I wasn't wearing a vest originally. I was wearing this plaid sweater that's underneath me, but it's too hot for a sweater in the house, and I think just wearing a dress shirt and a tie makes one look silly. What temperature do you have your house at? About 89 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. <laughs> it is definitely sweater weather in my house no it's it's irresponsible for the winter time um oh it is uh 72 and a half in here fahrenheit wow that's real balmy <laughs> wow yep that's right it's negative one degree celsius out here and it, it and it's uh 23 degrees celsius in here it is above freezing here it's 39 degrees Oh, we're talking we about the weather, goddammit. Yeah, we instituted a uh, dress code at work, uh-huh. which is very easy. for Men have it on easy mode where dress codes are concerned. How so? And, well, I just, I own five white button-up shirts and several ties, and I only go to the office two days a week, and so make it, throwing an outfit together, oh, look, here's some slacks, here's a white button-up. Job done. We had a girl get called in the other day for wearing tennis shoes. Really? Really. Uh. Hey, how can we get people back to the office, you might ask? How's about don't be penises about it? Do men wear tennis shoes in the office? Well, we're not supposed to. Do they, though? Uh, I don't. Well. I'm trying to think of how many men we have. It's not a male suit. No, not a lot of them now that I think about it. A lot, a lot of dress shoes. Still, you don't have clients coming through very often. There's no point. You know, we're, we're not client-facing. Yeah, there's no we point. We just see each other. Yeah, no, that's really silly. I want someone to ding me on my earring. That would make me very happy. Because I've well, already should, read up on the... <laughs> you should wear the ones I got you. And when someone dings you, you should be like, they're gold. They're gold. I've read up on the Canadian laws and dress codes. It's enforced for men, it must be enforced for everyone, and if it's enforced for women, it must be enforced for everyone. So if I have to take out my earrings, so does everyone else. Good. Throw down, I find a hill to die on, Russ. Find a meaningless hill to die upon. Oh, Something uh, that would impact you not whatsoever. Unfortunately, that isn't a meaningless hill to die on. <laughs> it is for me. <laughs> I would just be a pain in the ass about it. <laughs> What's it's your completely... What's your oh, mug? Yeah, it's you have a... an adorable mug. Oh, yeah. Build down the side. You just licked... Your mug has a cat on it, and you just licked your mug like you're... It says cute kitty, and you just licked and it cute... like you were a cat. It says cute little kitty. It just says cute kitty. No, no, no. The, the little is in the middle there. It's just in white, and it's difficult to see. All right. Well, cute little kitty. <laughs> well, I am going to talk about cats, but maybe you should read first, because I'm just going to ramble on about things of not much importance. Well, it looks like the orange one is better behaved. Yeah, he still doesn't really want us to touch him, but then once we <laughs> once we wrestle him down and make him cuddle, then he's just the happiest little thing. He just is all blissed out and purrs and purrs and is really sweet. Uh, but until that point, he's like, don't touch me. 
He just hasn't associated the being touched with feeling good yet. He, uh, yeah, I guess like not. That old, that old internet meme where you have the uh, where you have the dog with the ball in its mouth, and it's like, "All right, now drop it so I can throw it." No drop, only throw. Yes, exactly. Uh, no touch, only cuddle. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that Julius is like that. That's the name of the kitten. Well, I guess I've already started talking about cat, so. Uh. <laughs> Order is unimportant here. Fine, you go. Then we'll talk oh, about cats some more. All right. So I am doing the dragon of Grindley Grun. I'm the dragon of Grindley Grun. I breathe fire as hot as the sun. When a knight comes to fight, I just toast him on sight like a hot, crispy cinnamon bun. When I see a fair damsel go by, I just sigh a fiery sigh, and she's baked like a tater. I think of her later with a romantic tear in my eye. I'm the dragon of Grindley Grun, but my lunches aren't very much fun, for I like my damsels medium rare, and they always come out well done. <laughs> the illustration is of a dragon crying one tear. This poem was I didn't like very much when I was a kid. Tell one, me why. Two reasons. One, because, you know, it ruins your princess narrative. Like, you know, in the princess narrative, you're not actually <laughs> supposed to get baked and eaten by the dragon. You're supposed to get rescued. Maybe the knight, maybe a knight or two gets baked and eaten on the way to rescuing you, the princess, but nothing bad's supposed to happen to you. And the other part is that face on the dragon. That dragon has a really human face, and it's creepy. What other things can you put human faces on and make them just unnecessarily off-putting? Basically, anything that isn't already anthropomorphic. I mean, a dragon is supposed to be off-putting, but it's just off-putting in the wrong way. Yeah, fish with a human face, that doesn't work. No. Cat with a human face, that's, that's problematic. Horse with a human face, that'd be bad. It's not very lizard looking, is it? It's very human. Who wants their cinnamon buns crispy? I know, nobody does. Maybe like the sugar caramelized a little or something, but not crispy. A crispy cinnamon bun. Isn't that just cinnamon toast crunch? But also maybe that's what's wrong. Mm. Like you don't want your cinnamon bun crispy and this dragon does it too hot. So it ends up crispy like a bad cinnamon bun. This is not what I was going to talk about, but man, did I wish I didn't care about like my physique because I have not eaten a Cinnabon in about a decade and God, I remember them being just profanely good. Yeah, so I also wish I didn't care about what I eat at all. <laughs> um, I certainly care about my physique. A little bit, even though I've pretty much given up be ever being thin again. Uh, but here's the thing about Cinnabon, is that I do not have a super high metabolism anymore. So no. the last time I tried to eat a Cinnabon, that is just way too much sugar for me, Russ. It, it, I just, it lays there. Yeah, I just, it wasn't fun. 
That is a glycemic drip is what that is. It just wasn't fun for me. I, I mean, it was fun for like the first few bites. And then I was like, oh, now what Remember do I do? Remember when you didn't have pancreatitis? No, you don't. <laughs> like, I, I can't, I can't do this. God, this I is too much. With such fondness. It's like having an anime girl pillow that's also covered in hot drizzle. And yes, all of this is meant to be suggestive, but it's like it's the same spirit I felt. Did you ever have toaster strudel? You mean like a pop tart? No, like a toaster strudel. Pillsbury no. toaster strudel. No. So Pillsbury toaster strudels were like pop tarts, but they weren't. But they weren't because they were flaky and puffy. And you could drizzle your own icing on them. <gasps> this was my breakfast like all the way through the end of middle school. Toaster strudel. So Cinnabon does have small cinnamon buns. And you would think, <gasps> you would think that would be the solution, right? No, no it's I not. I want nothing to do with this. I know because it gets closer to a crispy cinnamon bun when it like like the thing about a big cinnabon cinnamon bun is that that thick dough layer, like just the really <laughs> chewy dough layer. You don't want that thinner and closer to crispy. You want no. it nice and thick and fluffy and plump and you don't want to cut it in half and eat it later either because no. then it won't be, then it'll be a little bit stale. And so if you can't eat one all at once, it's sort of like, why try it all? You know you're doing the wrong thing. You are committing a sin crime and you're okay with it. The only thing you can do is share one with someone. That's the only mm. solution. Mm. You're, you're, mm. My <laughs> spine is turning to glass. <laughs> All right. Share. I I am such a bad food sharer. If someone well, approaches my plate, it's like, uh. But can you eat a whole Cinnabon? I can. I oh, I wouldn't tried enjoy this it. Recently? No, not in the last ten years. It would be a bad thing. It oh, would so you be. Wouldn't... I would regret it. See, well, that's the thing is, I can shove a whole Cinnabon down my face, but I wouldn't enjoy it either. Yeah, but it's it, it's it's the profanity but sharing's of not the okay. thing. Okay, you can't share it. Okay. It's in the same way as like, you know, I'm like, I'm way too old to get drunk anymore. But like, it happens once a year, maybe. And yeah. then it's like, this is so much fun. And then there's the next morning. It's like, I am 40 and dead now. This, this isn't going to come full circle in any kind of a way. But I was going to talk about food in relation to the Dragon of Grindley Grun. All right, let's talk about food some more. Uh, because uh, it is Dine Out Vancouver where local restaurants put on a special prefix cheaper menu and you can go out and support your local businesses and it's been interesting because you get to try some places some you know places you wouldn't have been before but my better half had never had teppanyaki before and uh, teppanyaki is often called hibachi in Canada and the U.S. but it's where you grill the food on the hot platter in front of you and sometimes they do tricks like the volcano coming out of an onion and that kind of thing and this had super cheap prices this place did and i didn't look it up on google until after the fact and come to find out they have like a 3.5 on google which is supposed to be the magic number you know I've in between heard. those yes. in the know and those in the know. and what i found was not complaints about the quality of the food. Generally, the food was fine. But what I did find was a whole lot of white people complaining about the lack of tricks. Oh. So 
there weren't i didn't there was no onion volcano there there wasn't the choo-choo train um, the choo-choo train where they take the onion volcano and shut and kind of shove it along whilst going choo-choo okay because <laughs> it looks like a little smokestack you know I, I, okay uh, they didn't throw eggs into their hats and uh, they didn't throw hot pieces of egg into your head uh, but the food was fine so it was a nice 3.5 then it was a nice 3.5 and so i went down the rabbit hole of reading the reviews and how many of them were complaining about the lack of tricks and it was Anyone that didn't give them a four or five complained about the lack of tricks. And then one person, for some reason, gave them one star and posted a photo of someone else's vomit in the bathroom. Now, he didn't get sick. He said the food was fine. But someone else got sick. Yeah, food poisoning doesn't set in that quickly. So, one star. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe you're like... Ugh, one star if someone didn't clean up this bathroom quickly enough, which, you know, if, if it happened recently, that's, that's not really something you can get upset about. We have uh, Dine Out Portland, or at least we have in past years, and I've my experience with it has been that it's extremely hit and miss. Like, some places yes. you get a prefix meal, and you're like, yeah, this is totally worth the amount I paid for it, and more, I'm so glad I did this. And other ones, you're like, oh, no, this is... This is a tiny little meal, and I'm not even sure I would have paid this much for it, given the option to. I found the cost very much worth it. Uh, It was comparatively cheap. I did end up at one sports bar stroke family restaurant that I didn't know was either one of those things. And the food was extremely disappointing, but you got a fucking feed bag worth of food. (laughs) Like, they could have strapped it to your damn head and rode you around like a pony and you still would have had more to go. I don't even know how that makes sense. <laughs> I'm mixing my metaphors today. So, anywho, thanks, Teppanyaki. Keep setting things on fire. Or don't, if you're this particular restaurant. They survived COVID somehow. All right. I'm doing the lost cat. Ah! We can't find the cat. We don't know where she's at. Oh, where did she go? Does anyone know? Let's ask this walking hat. And this would be a terrible poem if it didn't come with an adorable illustration of a trilby or whatever with four legs and a tail coming out from underneath it. I kind of think this is one of those poems that actually doesn't need an illustration. I mean, it's not a very good... Well, I guess it's maybe absurd enough. That it's a de- that it's fun, even though it's not. I don't know. I can't decide whether I'd find it interesting without the illustration or not. So, how long until we can air tag cats? People already do it. Okay, because like, can, can you track the little microchips with the with your phone yet? Mm, no, those are RFID. They don't. Oh, okay. You need to you need to scan them. You can't. You, they don't broadcast. Well, how long until? Well, I mean, GPS doesn't broadcast; it just receives. R- Right, but... The question is how long until we can track cats on our phones? Uh, you can. Do they have to have a, Do they have to be wearing... Yeah, they have to be wearing because the RFID is something that you ping from a very close distance and there's nothing that's on the RFID that's going to be like, 
Cat All right, is. Google, are you listening? Are you are you wanting to survive open chat? Well, here, I'm going to tell you how to do it right now. What? Make cat microchippers trackable. It, Go. They're, they're very, very near range. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to look something up. Okay. So what I decided I was going to talk about today uh, is hiding cats. Because you've got a hidey boy. Well, I've got a hidey boy, but, but so I was actually going to talk about the fact, like, I've been making trap covers, so what I'm actually using this is a segue to talk about cat trapping and how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been making cat trap covers out of spare fabric that I have, and so they will go on top of the PDX cat trappers tra- traps. Uh, and just make things life a little more easier for her because if she puts like a a towel or a sheet on it or something, it's hard to grab the handle. So I'm just making like these these fabric pieces that have a slot for the handle and also fall down nicely like, on the trap. Because how tra- cat trapping works is that you go out. You have to ask the people who feed the cats not to feed them for that day, and then you go out when they're hungry with the traps. And you put food in the traps, and the traps have a weighted plate on them. Or, or, or not a weighted plate, but they have a plate that when the cat's like, oh yes, I'm hungry, and it walks into the trap, and then it steps on the plate with its weight, and then the door behind it closes. They're like big versions of those no-kill mouse traps. Big versions, yeah. Yeah. Animals uh, are very stupid. <clears throat> Yeah, well, some of the times they're not, though. And you have to use other types of traps. Like, some cats get what they get. <laughs> <laughs> some cats get trap savvy, and they'll know that it's a trap. And they'll be like, nope, that's a trap. I'm not going in there. Uh, Sometimes you have to dig a pit and cover it with leaves. Well, it's something similarly primitive. You take a box, pretty much. Usually, it's a, it's like a metal box. Like a metal shaped box with with it's also a cage, and you t- tip it up. You put something underneath, like a stick or a bottle or something, and you take a string, and you put food underneath, and you wait for the cats you, to. You catch him with the Elmer Fudd trap. <laughs> yes. Okay, I-, I thought you were going to talk about how smart these cats were and oh, how no. they learned to avoid the most obvious trap <laughs> in the entire world. Somehow it's less. Somehow this tra- kind of trap is less obvious than the ones that they have to walk into. This is like this, this is like the tutorial trap from a D&D video game. <laughs> oh, be careful, is that a stick and a string? Yeah, that's what it, that's I mean the the reason it's maybe easier is because it isn't like a tunnel they have to go down cuz the the traps with the with the weight plate you they're narrower, and you have to go through, uh, like, well, a, a rectangle to get Here, it. you just have to walk next to the suspiciously inclined giant box. <laughs> Somehow that's... It's, it's not a tunnel. Oh, come on, guys. This looks legit. Sometimes it's a what van they will... with free candy on the side. Sometimes what they will do to, to ensure a trapping is that they will feed them under the drop trap without dropping the trap so that they'll actually go all the way under a few times and they'll get used to it so that they know that they're nice and comfortable and so maybe you can get the whole cat family to come in all under at once and you go kaboof and then it drops the trap on them all at once 
But the reason you make one of those (laughs) spring net traps like in Predator. I don't know what you're talking about. It's all right. It's one of those. You, you've seen them in cartoons where the whole net shoots up like a bag and has, you know, now you have a yes. sack full of cats. <laughs> oh, no. That sounds awful. Do you know how popular pit traps are on Japanese television these days? I do remember the the Sonanikankene guy getting a pit trap once there it has only expanded they were they were setting pit traps for minor celebrities in front of curry trucks they're like "Ooh, that sure smells good i'll go get some curry and then these grown people grown people on television falling into pit traps covered in leaves (laughs) oh god here i am talking about how stupid cats are and i realize yes russ you're exactly the same you're exactly the same they're baiting it with food well, I mean, what, do you, what do you mean? We're both baited with food. Here, come get the delicious curry. Mm, doesn't that smell nice? Oh, God, now I'm in a pit. <laughs> Best part was they didn't even give him curry afterwards. <laughs> oh. They were just like, there, the audience has had their chuckle. Get out of there, you indentured servant. Go back to the mines. Well, I mean, the cats are trapped in there with their food, at least if they're using the the weighted, the weight trap, but they're usually too upset to eat. Once yeah. they're trapped, but that's <laughs> one, one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons you use the covers is because once you get the cat, and then the cat's like, meow, 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 and like fighting everything, you put a cover over it, and the cat's like, okay, it's dark now. <laughs> now it's nighttime. <laughs> everything must be okay. <sighs> also, I'm making curry tonight. Uh, from a like golden curry, uh, the, curry type the, thing, the, or the, the, the Vermont curry. I'm just I don't doing know what that is. In the meat. What's the Vermont curry? Because when I hear the word curry, I do not think Vermont. Oh my god, it really says Vermont curry. And it is some kind of Japanese curry because I can see the katakana for the word Vermontu or yeah. whatever. That's the one. Yes, this was uh the reason it's called Vermont curry, it was it was uh based off the homeopathic remedies of a popular it- doctor in the 60s and uh his his applications of apple and honey uh, to cure all ills became briefly influential and uh it made its way to japan and you see the influence to this day all right that's actually very interesting <laughs> see let me actually it says they said i think it actually said Vermont right how, can you read it out? How does it in Katakana? Bamanto kare. Huh. Ah, there we go. The origin of Vermont in Vermont curry dates back to a book entitled Folk Medicine, A Vermont Doctor's Guide to Good Health. The book sparked a health fad that included drinking a mixture of apple, cider, vinegar, and honey. This eventually found its way to Japan, sparking a health fad there that came to be known as the Vermont Health System. Well, at least it should taste good. It does. Yeah. Especially the way I make it with a whole lot of MSG. Do you have to add MSG? I assume it's already in there. <laughs> I don't know if I have to add it, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, do you like umami? Well, you're gonna. I love that feeling where it's like, oh, God, now I can't stop eating. <laughs> I don't think MSG does that to me exactly. It but does it to me, man. That I lights mean, me right up. I mean, I like it, but I don't think like I notice it too much. I get I get it right here, and it's like, uh-oh. 
Interesting. I'm suddenly bottomless. Well, do you have any uplifting thoughts for our listeners? Hey, I mean, I didn't think we had a sad one, so we don't need them too much. But I mean, my in case, I mean, I don't think this is an uplifting thought for, because for me, it's a huge pain in the ass. But my current foster kitten sounds like a baby goat. Yeah. <laughs>